0: Okay, okay, stop right where you are, let's pray, and then you can go right back to what you're doing. Let's pray, there's a lot to talk about. Here we go, let's pray, let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, comfort of the sorrowful and strength of the weary, may the prayers of those that call upon you in any trouble come into your presence and be heard and answered, that they rejoice in the mercy you bestow through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, I know there's a lot to do, but I got a lot of other things to talk about anyway. So, um, find your coffee, there's... Uh, there's some from last week, and then there's a new one, number two, we'll see what will happen. There's seats in the front, I know we were out of seats, but there's seats in the front. Hey, let's just play, let's play you be me for five minutes, okay? One thing I'm curious about is whether we should move into the gym and buy you donuts in the morning. Uh, We would have a lot of, so here's the thing, is it more fun to have a, 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 full, small room or uh, an empty, big room. you got to think that through. you got to think about the possibilities. I also know that we've discouraged people over the years because they come and don't feel like I have a place to sit. And yes, this does not always seem like the best possible place (laughs) to sit in the room. I get that. So keep coming. We're trying to work it out. Like so many things, like so many things, things are fluid here. So for example... Um, a couple of things I was thinking about during the service this morning. One is, uh, did you notice how the baby cries until Pastor Bukes blesses him and says, Peace be with you, and then he stopped? Make of that what you will. But the kid cries for two straight minutes, then the pastor says to him, who's also his old man, um, Peace be with you, puts the side of the cross on him, and the kid stops crying. I'm like, okay. He who has eyes to hear, let him hear, right? We take, uh, I mean, here's another thing. So, just a couple, two notes about kids. One is, uh, thanks to parents for sticking in there. Two is, thanks for parents for letting your kids wander a little bit. So, a couple times out of my eye, you know, I see a kid, um, you know, going up the side. You know, if they come appear at the altar, we'll know what to do with them. Um, we have vestments in their size. Uh, you know, if they start to move up the side, you know, and then, so, I mean, your kid. You know, I mean, it's hard for you to sit 63 minutes. I get it. So, I mean, parents, you're doing a great job. Now, on the side, I think the Hex have just agreed to raise $100,000 for the new sound system. Wasn't? Is that the conversation we had? I thought it was. That is. Okay, the Hex are in charge of this. So, I, I'm just going to give you a little preview of what I'm going to say at Governing Board, because you're here and you can know there's, you know. there's a tick list of things that John Crowe's has made up. Sidebar. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a pastor around here. Pastors are a dime a dozen. But you only have one John Crow, you know, who will come in tomorrow on his day off and he'll make the organ begin to be installed, right? You should rejoice in him and tell him how much you love him and, you know, buy him lunch once in a while. So, I mean, he's a, he's a remarkable guy. I mean, it's, it's hard to get that, you, you know, you, these irreplaceable package. So there's a, lot, there's a lot, and there's a lot to do, and I'm impatient, right? So there's, you know, there's a bunch of things, there's probably 10 things or 20 on a list that need to be done for a million or two million dollars. You know, it's not like the roof is coming in, but there are things that we could do, like, it'd be about $100,000, it looks like, to make the speakers, you know, put nine-foot speakers, bury them in one of the pillars, take the speakers off the wall, put an acoustical tile on the sides... And on the back, so the kids couldn't be heard so much, and the spoken word would be better. What I'm going to propose to the governing board is we sort of divide this list into fun things and not fun things, and maybe sort of say to people like the Hex, "Hey, uh, talk to your friends and raise hundred thousand dollars, and bring it to me on Friday, and I'll give it to John, and um, then we'll put the sound system in." Because what's happened is, one is, and you know, a broken clock is you know right twice twice a day, but. The stock market is at all-time high. Do you remember what happened the last time the stock market was at all-time high? What were my exact words to the congregation in 2007? What did I say? I said, when this is down 20 or 30 percent, you're going to wish you gave the money to the church. My exact word. I'm going to just say to you right now, in the next year when it's down 20 or 30 percent, you're going to wish you gave the money to the church, and it's going to be same, 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 right? so yeah you're not laughing now it was fun to laugh at the kids but about that yeah we're a little more nervous i know what i what i'm thinking about doing is kind of putting together a list of fun things that you or your friends might want to accomplish you have to work out the logistics so we don't get 10 percent of 10 you know projects funded and everybody goes wah, wah, wah. what happened to my you know um but there are some fun things like you know we never finished the ceiling the paint on the walls isn't quite right downstairs, I mean, I'm kind of, and then this, I don't, you know, I don't get embarrassed too, often, but I'm kind of embarrassed like by the carpet and the stuff downstairs. I know, you know, it's kind of like you got all these new kids coming and you think we should brighten that up and clean that up and make it better. And how you know, but you know, between me and all the things I want to do stand several hundred thousand dollars. So, uh, yeah, see, you're losing interest here. Come on, keep the energy up, keep it up, come on. So uh, we kind of need to think about You know, we can do things kind of one by one over the next 10 years, but, you know, I'll be in Florida sending you postcards by the time you get that carpet replaced, okay? So let's, you know, we need to pick up the pace a little bit. Plus, I know that many of you didn't get to play in previous capital campaigns, and you know that if there's anything I want, it's you to be able to play. Your money is bad. Give me your money. Okay, that's all you need to remember. Yeah, see, I've got, I got more for you. Okay, there's more coming. So, um, anyway, there are things that need to do. Anyway, John Crow's on top of things. There's lots of things that need to to do. Congratulations to, the, to uh, parents with kids. I mean, I know you're doing your best. It's ev- they're doing everything we asked them to do. It's fabulous. It's vibrant. It's fun, right? I mean, it's just, it's just alive. And every once in a while, when the bells ring for the Eucharist, dead silence and you're like thank you very much for that right it's good uh you did get an email blast we try not to blast you very often but we did get an email blast our trailer is going to florida actually the guys are going to leave it there for a month and let people use our equipment and tools chainsaws ditch witch, all that kind of stuff you were kind enough to load it with you know i think a couple of tons of food and water there's about a thousand dollars in gift cards given it was it was really nice of you to respond in that way, and St. John kind of has a direct connection to that. Continue to be merciful to people. I know that everybody has a good idea of something they want to do, and that's actually really fabulous. But you're not going to hear from us that often by email or text because it loses the effectiveness. Um, and plus, you got a lot going on. We don't want you just so if you get uh, you know an email or a text from us, try to pay attention, and the deal will be we'll try to limit that as well. But it's it's pretty easy to do right now all right this that the other thing if you have a college kid look I did this unprompted right if you have a college kid we want to send your college kids stuff but we have to have a good hard address Jody Chester will take care of that for you will you not if you have a college have kid, to go, it every so go to the web and do it every update year your, update your, update report, your yeah. kids stuff Someday, if we get really good friends, I'll tell you about the time I showed up at Purdue and the Shite Boys fraternity house and said, good morning. But uh, that's because I had a hard address. I was able to do that, right? <laughs> you know, even though it was about 10 afternoon, I still said, good morning. <laughs> so uh, you got to love the Shite Boys. All right, every last one of them, all generations. It was great. Okay, right? Hey, all right. We love them. Uh, what have I forgotten to tell you? Baskets. What are we doing with the baskets? People's Resource Center. People's Resource Center. Is Dan Williams here? Yeah. I have a question for you. If we, if people wanted to give on a regular basis, like from Amazon Pantry, for example, and have it delivered to the People's Resource Center once a month, once a week, is that sort of thing possible, or would they just say you people are crazy? I think they have a list because they collect for. Um Amazon list, so you can... But like, what if I, what if, what if St. John wanted to send them? Um, mm-hmm. well, well, I mean, so partly we bring the food here and then we carry the food over. There's an easier way to do that now in 2017. Mm-hmm. Would they think you people are crazy, or would they think that's really efficient? I think the, their their best venue is to give them to give them money and then they go to Northern England. Gotcha. Everything for pennies on the ballot. Really? So it's better, it's better just to give them money. Look, what's the theme of the morning? It's better to give me money. It's better to give them money. It's better to put money in the money, money, money. We will take Bitcoin, but it goes through Yonker and Strutzel, and who knows what kind of markup there is on that, okay? So, all right, um, Oktoberfest coming up, but steak fry first. All right, good. Anything else? All right, here we go then. Um, so, you know, every morning, um, I wake up a little bit nervous when I read what I read. Um, now some of you will say, fine, thanks for catching up, we've been nervous for years. But, uh, you know, the thing is, if you're nervous all the time, then what's really the point, right? But the world is, is a changing place, and it's becoming more and more difficult to be, Christian, you, you've seen the, um, you know, it's been one wheat and cow's, professor slash lawyer or no well, no he was a professional guy and then you saw the thing with the notre dame lawyer last week where they basically she they basically the questioning said from the senate if you're an orthodox christian the question was are you an orthodox christian and then the question answered itself if you're an orthodox christian you're probably not fit to be a judge so interesting right all Right? so you just gotta you just gotta kind of pay attention that's a flip it's one thing when we all can be what we want to be in everybody's you know, everybody can be free, and you know, don't tell me what to do, and I won't tell you what to do. But it's quite another thing to say, you're a Christian and you can't play. It's really interesting that it's said out loud, kind of repeatedly. It was also said to this guy from Wheaton College who was going to work in office of management and budget or something like that, and the questioning was, you know, if you're a Christian, you can't, you know, can't be trusted to have the morals and fairness to execute your task. It's really quite remarkable. So, um, you know, that's a flip. It's a flip from everybody can do what they want to um, Christians are unfit to live in the world. Um, however, it's not unknown. We've seen this before. In fact, we saw it from the time of Jesus to for the first 300 years. And you all are going to have to figure out you know, what to do about it. And you probably have to be a little bit more concerned about your kids and what they're going to do about it. Now, they are going to negotiate their way. And part of the way they negotiate may not be in a way that you find quite... Um, uh, pleasing. However, then, this is why you should rejoice that there are kids in the service and taking the Eucharist when they're six. By the way, look at this. Man. This is the kids. You know what this is? This is a kids. Um, anybody recognize this? Where are you? Are the parents here? I just want to say that you're good parents wherever you are, right? Yeah, this is what happens. Jesus talks. He talks words into John the Baptizer. And then John the Baptizer apparently has a direct line to Pastor Nelson, (laughs) who then talked to Nora. And one of the the most interesting things about this to me is how Nora and Jesus look the same. (laughs) No, I'm serious. That is like if you have a kid who figures out that she looks just like Jesus, you're like, hey, A plus, right? That's fabulous, right? Apparently, this is how it works at St. John. So you'll want to get with Pastor Nelson. He's the one with the glasses as opposed to everybody else, right? <laughs> but, I mean, if you ask me, can that kid take the Holy Supper? I'm like, Pfft, yesterday, right? Isn't that isn't that fabulous? So Pastor Nelson, I mean, that's a fabulous thing he does with kids. I, they just, you know, if he, can, if he can push that into him and then pull that back out of him, and congratulations to the parents, too. I mean, see, right, see? Because, you know, Nora, how old is Nora? Is she six, five? How old is Nora? Six? Five. So, yeah, so when she's 15, you'll want to take a picture of this and remind her all about it, right? <laughs> and when she's 25, too. Because this, this, is, this is why, you know, this is what you can't let your kids do is get into the bigger world and get surprised. You know, um, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work to go Amish. The world just moves on without you. It just doesn't work, right? Maybe in the future we'll talk about this Benedict option, which is a new thing among Christians, which in a sentence is a little bit like becoming like orthodox jews you're in the world but your own conclave right well it works and it doesn't work you know it works as long as you self perpetuate but does it work in terms of being a witness to the world and does it satisfy and what's the percentage of loss you know what's your leak so I think that there is another way, and, you know, you, there's, there's no way you can't know what this is. I mean, the other way is to go to the liturgy and go to the Eucharist. Boom, 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 the discipline of love. Love and discipline, is there any difference? No. Love and obedience, is there No. What you love, you cling to, right? And so you have to be the kind of congregation, and this has to be the kind of place. So you look up, you know, and you've got kids playing horns and cellos this morning. I mean, you look up, and Peter is fabulously singing along with them, and you just kind of go to yourself... Where else can you get this, right? If you, you can't look up, and that's good, but I can look up, and I'm sort of like, yeah, that's just the people I want there because, you know, average age is 20. Yeah, I know some of you people are a little older, but, you know, you get averaged down by 13-year-olds. It's great, right? So you're trying to create this environment so when people say to your children or even when people say to you, and this these are the adjectives That are being used now. That's a fearful environment. That's a vengeful environment. That's a hateful environment. That's an intellectually vaucus environment, right? None of that can be true. But the only way that that cannot be true is if you work really, really hard. If you learn your story, tell your story. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to get a PhD in this. You don't have to be... But you know what matters? I'll tell you one thing, a holy life. So Chrysostom this morning in the service, what is it to be like God? To be like God is to be ready to deliver mercy, right? In all circumstances. And, you know, I don't know if you caught the epistle. You know, there's so, always so much going on. You can only say so much. But, I mean, go home and read about what Joseph's brothers want. And what they beg for, even though they tell a little bit of a white lie, I think. You know, your father said this right before he died, right? Your father said right before he died that all the inheritance is mine and the will is null and void. No, your father said, right? And then the other thing he says is, hey, in Paul, in the epistle, forget about um, vengeance. Because who made you king? And the last sign of the epistle, every man will give account for himself before God. Which is what you and I always have to remember. Which is why anger is sort of wasted on the state of the world. You know, I mean, things poke me too, and it does make me um, unhappy. But anger is wasted here. The thing to do is not to embrace emotion, for very long at least. You get emotions or reactions, and it's fine, and they're helpful, and they can do some good in a short period of time. However, discipline. Discipline. Obedience. Love, which actually are all synonyms, right? Go to the liturgy, baptize your children, receive the Holy Supper, forgive and be forgiven, come back and do it again. Tell the story over and over and over and over and over again with the trust that actually the Holy Spirit is active in the story and transformative, even when the Holy Spirit looks like the Twitter bluebird, right? (laughs) It's one way he shows himself, apparently. Don't be too skeptical. All right, y'all good? So this is the point. Um, you know, the world is not such a welcoming place. In my own critique of Christianity, what I would say is we squandered our advantage. We had a 1,700-year head start. We haven't always done that well. Burning people at the stake, you know, for example. Or, you know, I mean, the, the, the church has often played rough, as rough or maybe rougher than the world. That's unfortunate, given who Jesus is and how he was crucified, Right? And it's always a difficulty trying to figure out how to play. But play we will, right? And in a particular way, and in some sense, you say, because this is the most important thing. This is true. And your life is actually a relatively short period of time. You know, if you live, you know, four score and six, says the Psalms, you've had a really good life. If you live 80 or 90 years, it's a fairly short period of time when, when you run it against eternity. So, you know, you match your life to eternity now, You live the divine life in this life, and you let the chips fall where they may. You don't have to control things, but you do do what you've been given to do. What have you been given to do? Love other people, be baptized, forgive, go to the Eucharist, go to the liturgy, acknowledge God, live gratefully, push down your anger, push up patience, love, kindness, peace, self-control, all the gifts of the Spirit, and do it all again. There's no point in getting just completely exercised about everything, but you should pay attention, and you should see when things are going against you, and you should exercise whatever authority in the secular realm you have, you know, to try to keep make the world a better place. But it takes some work to figure out what that is. Anyway, that's the whole point of the year. That's where we're going, you know, because the world is um, changing in ways it hasn't changed before. I read an article yesterday in the afternoon about how. Well, it, was a, it was a prediction that the, that, the, that the two major parties, Democrat and Republican, will not exist, you know. Or the, the, the article actually was, they don't exist already, they just don't know it, right? That the world has completely shifted, and they just are so slow to pick it up that, you know, it's going be, to be interesting to see what happens. Anyway, there we go. Now, just because you think I can't do it, I'm going to do it. Number one, number one. All right, here we go. So I mean, this is the explanation of how we pick Bible studies, right? Um, what I would like you to do, and this is kind of all in the first bit, number one number one, and i 'm i 'm going to get all the way to number two, number eight, if I maybe do that 's where we 're going because most of it i 've already said to you you just you, you know if I say it in two different ways, you think i 've prepared twice as much, so it 's win win for everybody so here 's the thing you know, how do we pick Bible studies? We just listen to you a lot, and we try to it, a lot of it has to do with just feeling where your nervous points are, where we need to go forward. So this kind of bundles all that up. Presume this, you know, and I I always have this reflection when I come home from my summer travels and especially visiting other churches. Thank God, I'm back at St. John. (laughs) I'm just like, my people, right? Because, you know, I mean, I just can't see one more clown in worship. I mean, one more pastor standing on his head fully vested during the children's room. I just can't do it anymore. I can't. Right? Okay? So, you know, thank God I'm back You think I'm kidding you? Get out more. All right? So here's the thing. Let me just say to you, you know, here's the other side of the story, though. This should be sort of baseline. Like... We don't just sort of... When anybody's critical kind of of what we do, I'm just like, hey, man, we're just opening the hymnal. We're kind of poor, humble folk. We just open the hymnal and do what's in there, right? We're not smart enough to make something up every week. We just, you know, do the same thing over and over. There should be sort of baseline experience for what the church should be. In some ways, you're kind of living in what a church was like in the 50s, Right? After the war, people come home, they buy a little land, they have a lot of kids, there's a lot of young families. You're living kind of, so you know, you're living in what was kind of your grandparents, or parents or grandparents' church. You know, it's lively, it's vibrant, they're young families, there's a lot of kids, things are in motion, you're kind of thinking about how we can do the next thing. This should kind of be the baseline for the church. You can ask yourself all kinds of questions about why. Why the church isn't that way, I've kind of spent my life doing that. And over the years, I sort of stopped thinking about it and stopped, well, I'm not thinking about it because it hits me in the face every morning, but I kind of stopped talking with people about it because people aren't rational and don't really want the answer. A rational person changes their mind when presented with the evidence, okay? So, you know, that's sort of off the table, but what is interesting is to say, it's only our two square blocks, how do we keep going, Right? It's only our two square blocks. How do we? Yes, we're part of the bigger church. Yes, we have greater responsibilities that they're given. However, here we go. Here we go. So what will that presume? And part of the reason I'm saying this to you is because if we have, um, you know, there are always things that are kind of nipping at us. Temptations that are nipping nipping at us. You know, but if there's a temptation nipping at us, one of them would be um, that we get self-satisfied. Hey, that we're okay, that we feel like we got this list of projects, but we don't have to have a capital campaign to do that because it's just fine the way it is, or you know that we, you know, we're just fine the way we are. Things are just fine. Well, here's the thing: things are never fine the way they are, because of the natural um, entropy of original sin, right? Because Satan is always working against us, you know. Because clouds are gathering on the horizon and there will be trouble. So it's never okay, just in the church, in fact, it's extraordinarily dangerous to just sort of say, it's all just going to work out. If you think it's all going to work out, just go look at the statistics in the Missouri Senate over the past 50 years. Okay? Or Lutherans in general, or denominations. It's not all just going to work out. But if you're given to the things you love, if you're given to obedience, if you're given to discipline, if you're given to liturgy, if you're given to study, if you're given to prayer, if you're given to kindness, if you're given to forgiveness, if you live in love, what the Lord will do is unimaginable. He does stuff like that, right? So you have a five- or six-year-old who can sort of say, oh, yeah, this is what I believe, right? So that's um, all the way to point number one, then. And it is interesting. I mean, I can give you a couple of you sent me podcasts and articles, and I know it it's really is everywhere. You know, if you just want a little vacation in the midst of my spiel, on the third page is the very calming emphasis of Jesus the teacher. Right? This is in, in, the, in number one, if you took number one again. Or just look at, I mean, that very calming face of Jesus, the teacher, right? It's like, this is like, you know, peace be with you. I've got all the answers right here. In fact, I am the answers. And I'm also Pantocrator, the other name for this icon. I am Lord Almighty, or in the most specific sense, I'm the one who will come again to judge. Right, And so, you know, you might just take this home and put it someplace or buy yourself an icon, uh, buy yourself an icon of this and just look at it, you know, read it when you are struggling. Because, you know, in all the tizzy and fast paced um, stuff that's going on in the world, some necessary, some not, here's Jesus, right, uh, with his very calm face, completely in control, and on your side right? it's all gonna be fine it might be painful in between there here and there but I mean at some point you die and it's a welcome death as the church says a blessed death you know everybody has an endpoint and sometimes the endpoint is a favorable thing right and death isn't a thing we fear so we sort of say you know, it's the middle point that's much more difficult when people discriminate against you because you're a Christian or shame you or your kids suffer because of it or you can't get an education or you can't do this or you can't do that. Um, you know, pay attention, uh, but try to remain calm, okay? So I'm turning the page. Um, just to one, This is point number two. There's a great article written by a genius of a theologian, perhaps the best in America, who um, Lutheran perhaps, or most well-known, one of the best and most well-known in America, Robert Jensen, who passed away uh, last week. He's a very influential guy across things. In fact, his book is what we're using, not me, the other pastors are using, for Song of Psalms on Fridays when women's Bible study. He's a genius of a guy, very gentle. I bumped into him uh, probably the only time I talked with him when I, years ago, I don't know if you remember, I went to, for a conference on beauty to St. Andrews. It just happened to be he and his wife were in the same train car. Just, uh, and, you know, introduced ourselves and chatted a little bit. He just is uh, a very gentle but genius of a guy. He wrote a very influential article 20 years ago or so. that was reprinted 10 years ago um, where he basically said the world has lost its story which is another way of saying the world r- no longer remembers who God is and what he does. And so, you know, we sort of take this metaphor that the world has lost its story. If you ask kids, if you ask people in general, they don't know Bible stories, they don't know Bible references, all the great literature and poetry that was written with these kinds of things, you know. I mean, when I re- when I watch The Revenant, you know, I argue with Pastor Bukes about whether it's primarily about baptism or the holy supper. That isn't what the grammy voters saw or or, i'm grammy voters sorry um oscar voters saw saw right you know what i see is a story about the eucharist what he saw was a story about baptism which of course is true too i mean it was all about continual death resurrection in water right or continual death, death and resurrection in meal well i mean people don't see that anymore in fact those things aren't taught anymore um quite so much are in this way, or they're taught as being oppressive. Okay, you know, play your stories out, see what happens to you. But I'll also say to all of you, play your stories out and see what happens to you. Okay, so um, we have this thing on how we keep our story number three. The liturgy does the same thing over and over again. Why do you do the same thing over and over again? So that you remember it, so that it's in you, so that it comes to you immediately. I mean, old people are the best example of this. When you go to old people, somebody just wrote me this week again. You know, when you go to old people and you, uh, you know, they might not remember this, not remember, might not remember their name, don't know what they're doing there. You kick into the liturgy and suddenly the Lord's Prayer comes out like that. You're like, my story, my people, Right? The reason we do the same thing over and over again is so that you'll commit it to memory. And, you know, there are always things where you go, okay, that's not striking me right now, or that wasn't done very well. But you also have mornings like this morning when the place is alive, right? I mean, it's alive. You can, it is the body of Christ. You can feel it. I mean, the energy is everywhere, and you're looking around, and you're like, you know, you kind of look at people, you look up at those kids, and there's kids this way and that way, and there's people, and there's old people coming, and people who have been sick who have come in, and people who are failing or going out, and that's our story, right? And we have to be able to tell the whole story. And part of the thing is, people have such a difficulty. I think this is on the next page, but I should just kind of, I promised, point by point you will get point by point. Okay. So, you know, if we pause and gather ourselves and we say, you know, Jesus is the life giver. Um, but I will, you know, I don't know if you're Facebook friends with Linda just, I'm not, but Kirby is and I creep, you know, so Linda just posted a thing last night about how there's the new, I don't know if it's law or directive from ethicists in New Zealand basically said, all lives are equal. Right. Animal lives and human lives, all lives are equal. And the the end was the doctor in charge of this saying, this'll change how we farm, how we eat, how we do everything. Of course Linda posed the very, you know, obvious question, you know, what about the lives of the unborn? And of course she could have fouled with what about the lives of people with Down syndrome? The lives of people who are depressed? The lives of people who have spent too much of public resources with medical care. What about the lives of People with other skin colors. What about the lives of Muslims or the lives of Christians, right? It's a nice sentiment, although flawed. But in practice, hmm. So the Christians should have another story. Now here's the thing. You don't have to be antagonistic in telling your story. And God knows the church has had its faults. And we haven't always done a good job telling it. And also that we've preferred by tell it by force and not by gift. Fair enough. We're human and we're flawed. We repent of that and we try to do better today and tomorrow. Okay? Now, this is going to get more difficult. It was easy when we ran the show in the West where Christians were the story for 1,700 years. You at least could appeal to something. You know, for the last 100 years, not so true. Now, forget about it. Um... You know, we had somebody came to church. Pastor Nelson was t- so the most interesting conversation. I think it might have been a funeral or something, where the mother said to Pastor Nelson, my children won't know what to do. They've never been in a church. This is the most honest, interesting comment, right? I mean, you would think, you grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you think, well, at least people will know what to do when they get in a church. This cannot be presumed. Right? And if you change church every week then, on the pitch for the liturgy again, if you change it every week, so if they go to church this week and they start to figure it out and next week it looks completely different, you're like, that's bad pedagogy. If you're a teacher who you know you taught in English today and Spanish tomorrow, pick the one you like but there's no, not much for first graders between you know yesterday and today. And when people come to church for the first time, they're first graders. Right? So gather yourself and try to think about what this story means and then the next challenge I'm turning the page all the way to six right apologetics for so many years has been so combative it's not going to be helpful and um, because nobody's rational anymore okay? the world is not a rational place nobody I mean if you find a rational person embrace them but very few people are rational most of the world is driven by emotion I would, you know, another time over coffee, argue that the whole political landscape in America is emotional, right? Everybody deep down in their heart of hearts knows what they have to do, right? And people are smart enough to know what consequences will come when they do it. It's that they can't bear not to be popular. They can't bear to be out of power. They couldn't possibly bear to be shamed. Translate to the church we're going to have to bear being out of power. We're going to have to be able to bear being shamed. Right? We're going to have to stick together, but not, at least now, you know, in some community tucked away, you know, hidden in the woods. Those days sometimes come. You remember the, how the Russians talked, you know, the communities that would, lived in the woods, and they were rediscovered after 60 or 80 or 100 years, right? Okay, not yet. So how can you be, as Jesus says, leaven in the loaf, right? How can you be yeast? How can you be seed? How can you do that? You need to learn your story. You need to work. You need to love actually what you love, not just for yourself, but for other people. And you need to be able to say gently, if you can, and it's going to be interesting how quickly things become toxic, Jesus has a different way, right? There could be a time when the name Jesus is just not going to be acceptable conversation and then you're gonna to have to be able to just say well there is a different way and then at some point um, tell them finally it's all about Jesus you know that in the early church of course you know this is the first creed Jesus is Lord right three words Jesus is Lord when you had a sponsor you wanted to be baptized you were taken to the secret meetings of the church in the first hundred years of the church when you were going through catechesis. To move across the threshold into the house churches, they would ask for the password. The password is what you say, "Glory to you, O Lord, praise to you, O Christ, because that was to commit treason against Caesar. To call Jesus Lord is to commit treason against Caesar. That's your life and death moment, right? So if it comes to that, you know the last thing you want to be able to is the martyrs, you know we talked about this, the martyrs on the beach in Egypt right? The 21 martyrs. One after another. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You kind of go on. That's it. That's what matters. Okay. From here to there, and hoping that there doesn't come, but from here to there, you need to be able to say what's unique and different about Jesus. Not in a condescending way, because let me just tell you, you are in no position to be condescending anymore because you have no position of power, Right? When judges go before the Senate and, no longer, and and now being Christian is not an advantage or a neutral, but a disadvantage, you're not in a position of power, right? Of course, there are things, still things you can do, and there are other people. I get all that. I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm just saying, read the newspaper. It's very interesting. So, what can you do? Well, you need to learn enough of your story to justify your actions, but your actions always need to be in love, Right? And, you know, the constant touch of holy things makes you holy. The constant touch of loving things makes you loving. This is why the early Christians couldn't imagine not going to the Eucharist. What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? Really? What else are you going to do? You're going to go to the Eucharist, the medicine of mortality, the antidote to death. You're going to be touched by that, and you're going to carry it around. It's like, you know, it's like when the pastors used to allow people to take a host from the altar and hide it at home. So when they came to take them and put them before the lions, they would take the host with them, right? Pastoral care. OK. You know, there's a re- you know, you're not there yet, but things can get really bad. The thing is, don't act like, and I shouldn't act like, when it gets bad, you're the first one it ever happened to. It's like having kids. Your kids do something stupid, and then you talk to other people, and guess what? Their kids are stupid, too. Who knew? right? All right, we've seen this movie before. How can we get through this now if things reverse? And if it doesn't reverse, how can we do better? Okay, it's fairly simple stuff. You relearn your story. This is Jesus' way out. Jesus talked about that. In this case, Jesus might say, or here's what Jesus would do, or love means, forgiveness means, right? Mercy means... Uh, You know, we have a way to do this. So why the Gospel of St. John? A couple of reasons. One is, it's all about this. John is not a story in the way that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are stories. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you know, if you put them all next to each other, they sort of look the same. Pieces are in, pieces are out, but they wrote for different people, sometimes for Jews, sometimes for Gentiles, right? So Luke is really long because it's written for Gentiles who don't know the story. Matthew is much shorter and it's written in a, in a way that it shows prophecy and fulfillment because it's written for Jews who expected the Messiah to come and fulfill things. Okay, John is something else. It's very sophisticated, right? It's very theological. It leaves some really important things out, like the transfiguration or the exorcism or the healings, right? Now you can argue about whether things are in. For example, is the Holy Supper in or out? Well, there's no report from the upper room. But if you start with John the Baptizer pointing, Jesus Christ, the the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? And then the technical definition of sacrifice um, for the Lamb is that the body is separated from the blood. And John is the one that reports when Jesus goes on the cross and he gets speared in his side body, out comes blood and water separation, right? And John starts by saying the three most important things are blood and water and spirit. You start to say, he's telling the story for people who know the story, but he's telling the story even in a different way. So now all the way back to where we started. You all are baseline. You know a lot of stuff. You come to church all the time. You're here in Bible study. This is a premium. Five-year-olds can do that. You can take this to another congregation. Fifty-year-olds can't do that. Okay, okay, okay. Do we just sort of rest and say everything's going to be okay? No. There's a thousand things to do. A thousand things for us to do, right? Here and for other people. How are you going to get better? You need the challenge of somebody like John who swirls and you know has this... Big view and leave stuff out in hopes that you'll make connections and you should be able to say this is that. And the big thing is that there are signs and signs always point to things. And Jesus is here and there have been signs for Jesus, but is Jesus a sign too? You know, you have to think about all these. Well, the challenge is in with John's gospel. It's very, very difficult stuff. So um, I'm all the way to 1.8 right? I know. Think about it, right? I might even open the Bible in this Bible study at some point. Just stick in there, okay? So what John is meant to do, number nine, is this existential attitude, as Boltman said. You know, we don't like Boltman for everything, but for some things, which basically means look right at the bottom. This means the faith, and we talked about the creed last year, so the stuff that everybody, the story everybody knows. The creed is the story everybody knows. The faith brings us faith to which we say, yeah, that's my story. In fact, I'll die for that story, right? I'll live and die for this story. And all the stuff in between. Not in an angry way. I just—I can't caution you enough about being angry and vengeful. It is just not going to help, and you're probably going to lose because you're not in power anymore. Use your resources. You have limited resources. Use them well. Try to learn that this is the story of life. And the people need that story. Turn the page. And the center of that story is the crucified Christ. So this is very important for you to understand. So often we talk about Jesus as the vehicle of our salvation. You know, Jesus drives the bus. Jesus gets it done. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the form of Jesus' life is also the form of our life, right? The content of Jesus' life is also the content of our life. Jesus is the firstborn as from the Father, Right? The prototype for faith. Jesus is the image of God. Sometimes when you're, you know, I talked to Pastor Bukes about this a little bit. I didn't get to Pastor Nelson yet, but sometimes when you're thinking about things and you need to break, think about this. Would Jesus have taken flesh if Adam wouldn't have sinned? Right? We normally tell the story that Jesus has to take flesh because Adam, so, so Jesus taking taken flesh is kind of plan B. There's actually interesting evidence in John that that may have been plan A, that Jesus, the Word, John 1, would have taken flesh anyway, that God always intended, Colossians 1.15, in his flesh he is the image of God, right? So there's, there's, some, there's some sort of sense in John. You see, and see the, now the story is at least different. Because the sto- in the other Gospels, how do they tell it? They tell it as, the fulfillment of the prophecies from forever. Yes, that is true. Or Adam was his father. Yes, that is true. But there's another possibility, which is in the creation, God loved you so that he was going to live with you anyway. In the flesh. Right? You know, you can, like so many things, I tell you... Um, it's kind of like, you know, work point 2A now. And you can argue at the seminary next time you go down there over coffee with the young boys and see what you think. But just kind of think about the way that the Lord loves you and affirms you and wants to have you back with Him. It's a whole different deal, right? So, the center of everything is the crucified Christ, which 11 is pure obedience. And which John speaks of not as a defeat, but as an exaltation and glorification. In John's Gospel, when Jesus says he's like Jonah in the whale, and he talks about being lifted up on the cross, he talks about that as his exaltation. He talks about that as his glory, as his holiness, in the way that the Father in heaven is holy. Right? So the last thing on that page Jesus is not just the perfect Savior. Jesus is also the perfect Christian. right? And so then, what you're aiming at is not just to have the perfect Savior, but to be the perfect Christian. Now, of course, to be perfect is to be forgiven. But the long and the short of this is to have the sacraments as your story. Okay? All right. This is where I lie to you and say, yeah, we got through the rest of this. It's all going to be fine. Okay. I think I did actually say everything else that at least is in number one. But let me say under fifteen, the last thing. Jesus then is this epiphany of divine glory or of the divine life. So in Jesus, you know, it's just not it's just not marks on a page, right? Jesus is not this flat individual who you read about and kinda remember he's a good guy. Right? Pastor Bukes gave a genius of a sermon on this a month ago, right? That was you know, unbelievable for a young guy to be able to deliver like that. Nelson's the same way. Some of the stuff he says last week, you kind of go, I wish I'd have thought of that 20 years ago, right? Jesus is God with us, God alive among us, and the life that we're meant to lead. It is this epiphany, right? You People wake up and go, ah! That doesn't mean you can co- control it. It doesn't mean you can comprehend it. It doesn't mean you'll ever get to the end of it. It doesn't mean that you'll exhaust it especially not in this life, but it does mean that you're able to see this thing that life was meant to be. So for all the other people, and I'll just put it to you this way, speculating on social media about what life is, you know, at some point you kind of go, you need four more lines here because you could dismantle this in three, right? If you're just thoughtful and not just purely emotional about the world, right? well, that's what Christians do. Tranquilo, right? It's the the Spanish past. Tranquilo. Slow down. Be calm. You've got all you need. Relax. We've seen this before. It'll hold up. This isn't the first persecution. Stick with it. Go to the Eucharist. Go to the liturgy. Be kind to people. Love other people. Be generous. Move forward. Get better. Raise your kids in it. Month and then you'll be fine. Okay? Yeah, I got all the way through number one. That's, I'll still get you number three next week. All right, here we go. <laughs> Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, cheers. Thanks.